0: And I don't know if he told you this, but 14 star as part of their promo of this. From 6 to 6.30, anybody who comes in, they're
1: buying a free beer for them. Sweet. So let's encourage people to get here. That's good. Earlier. That's good for me, too, because I'll get my little 20% or whatever right. yeah. Cool. Sweet. Hey, we got a special one-of-a-kind guest today. And this is Vermont Entrepreneurs Episode 7, and we are coming to you from the Essex Experience. We are at the T-Rex Theater with a -a one-of-a-kind guest, Mr. Kyle Thompson, you might know him as Fatty B. Welcome to Golden Hour. Thank you for having me. My man, my man, it's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to doing this. Yeah, you know, fuck. I feel like, um, with a lot of the guests, we have storied past, but yeah, you and I go back. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Um, I think that probably IOU days yes you know that's yep. probably when we first started to like really connect and know that we were on the same wavelength music wise and through Andy and and that whole thing and I've been thinking about him a lot lately um but yeah I appreciate what you guys do and I just think it's really cool how you're combining many different artistic endeavors into your podcast and 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 this is just a, I, I appreciate what you guys
1: do thanks man yeah um as always shout out Sean Mesa. you know he's we both have roles it's like people are like how many people are doing this like it's just sean and i yeah. sean's the behind the scenes yeah. guy and i'm the yeah. one you get to listen to so yeah
0: well i appreciate That's, it
1: uh, awesome oh yeah so yeah i guess i'll use a good good starting point here we can talk about so that you know around that time when i met you i want to say what was that like probably 98 or something or
0: yeah right around 2000 ish yeah. i got done blizbaha right around 99. okay and um decided to go back to champlain college and knew that I wanted to do something musically. And Andy and I, Enrique Conflict had been performing with Grippo Funk Band on Monday nights. And we were kind of begging Grippo Funk Band to just do some, branch out and do some original stuff and let us kind of do some different covers. And they were just kind of stuck in their James Brown yeah. mode. They and had they, their niche. And yeah. they had day jobs and they just didn't really have the time to get together and, and do that and we said well I think we're gonna see what we can do on our our own. So IOU was born and Thursday nights we would just, you know, Andy would bring instrumentals to me and Reek all week long that he was getting and we would instantly hear one that spoke to us and write a tune around the instrumental and he would have a cut section and you know pretty soon we had a whole catalog of of tracks and Thursdays back in the day I, I know you remember this at Red Square we're just like this wonderful, welcoming party vibe.
1: Yeah,
0: It was like the kickoff of the weekend. There was no drama. It was all like, everybody's welcome. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter who your crew is. Doesn't matter what clique you're with. If you come there, we're going to make you smile. We're going to have some drinks with you. Everybody obviously wanted to go hear Andy do his thing. Yeah, like, yeah, we were blessed to work all, with that's him. That's when the
1: alley was popping. Oh, it was too. crazy. It yeah. was crazy.
0: <laughs> but I just really remember those times so fondly because of the energy and the vibe of just like, happiness and just people coming in there with smiles on their faces and just ready to, to just have a good time there was an attitude there wasn't you know the threat of you know somebody trying to stand their turf and then and, and judge you it, was, it wasn't any of that at all yeah and that's one of the last times I remember a music scene feeling like that it kind of has slowly separated and 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 kind of segregated and and I've always kind of felt like the more you can collaborate musically with people and with artists, the better the scene is, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. so that's been kind of my whole goal, my whole career, like through the hop CDs, through, you know, some compilations I've did with other people, just bringing people together that normally wouldn't
1: end up on the same project mm-hmm. has always been something I've tried to do. Yeah, you know, no so. Yeah, and so I guess rewinding before that, so talk about a little bit about Belisbaha because now you guys had a resurgence, right? You, Bilizbo, you yeah, got... we've
0: been doing reunions every like yeah. two years now and they've been crazy, like they're bigger and bigger and better. And you know, how many members are in Balisbaha? Well, there's seven core members and then there's when we play, we play with like three horn players and... Whatever other guests come up, so ten plus when we play, yeah. and we're all spread out around the country now. So getting us together for a gig takes a lot of coordination and like a year in advance planning. Mm-hmm. But Bolivar was crazy, man. I, I was at Champlain in '92, and I just went to a party and uh, was just freestyling over this DJ's beat, and uh, this kid from UVM, Jeremy Schaller, was like there and. I was like, hey, I'm doing, putting this band together next week. You sh- it's UVM, mostly UVM people. You should come hang out and try out, basically. I was like, all right. So I went. And instantly, when I heard the musicianship that they were doing, I was just like, this is something I've always wanted to do. But I never had access to a live band yeah. to do that. And so we just clicked right away and then we did some shows locally and because of all the people that we all knew, it was like packed and we only had like five or six songs. So we had to make six songs last like an hour and a half. <laughs> so we're just jamming the whole time. And then we uh, all of a sudden we're like doing gigs on the road and next thing you know, we're like, we were road warriors and Belisbaha did over 200 shows a year for seven years in a row. Damn. And I'm talking West Coast, Northwest, back across the country. So we were like, Grinding. back in those days it was, it was pre Internet really, so it's the only way you got your name out there was to hit the road. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we beat ourselves up, and um, we had a ton of success, and we had a ton of really cool experiences. And I saw so much of this amazing country, and we even went to Germany and played and stuff. And I just, I had so many experiences that me growing up in Vermont, like the furthest. West I had ever been before Belisbaha was Albany, New York, (laughs) you know, and then to hit the road and just be like, see the deep South and Midwest and the West Coast and just understand that there's so much more to this country. There's so many more people. There's so many places. There's so much more different to learn. Yeah. Like it just opened my eyes to just seeing like so many things and it. The experiences that we all shared, it changed all of us for the better. Yeah, because
1: you grew up in Bristol, Vermont,
0: right? Bristol, yeah. yeah, out, yeah. There, out there in the sticks. Right, and <laughs> and people used to, you know, this is, you know, late late 80s, early 90s, people were making super fun of me for like loving rap and oh, yeah. I was obsessed with it. And I would make songs in my basement, little studio that I put together. And I didn't know how, I didn't know what it was going to be. I just knew I was going to do something music wise mm-hmm. and Belize Baha, you know, when i called my parents a semester into college and said i'm gonna drop out of school and join a band they like <laughs> they were thrilled they're like you're like, an idiot they were thrilled. You're never going back to college like <laughs> yeah. and i was like no I, I promise i will and i said no i'm telling you this is something that's going to be successful i i wouldn't do this i wouldn't make this call if i didn't feel that i got to strike well the iron and off. they didn't believe me and they yeah. didn't know so for almost a year they had no idea what i was doing they knew i was like traveling around they were just like you're you know you're jerking off you're You're just being a a, a young 20 something. And then we did a show at Middlebury College and they came because my my parents lived nearby there. And that changed their whole, they were like, oh,
1: okay, okay. Well, they saw the the band, they they,
0: they saw the crowd response, but they saw the band and they just understood like, wow, you guys, this is like real. Like, so that, then they were like full in. They're like, "We, we support this and love this. And just, so that changed everything. So I was very blessed them to be like supportive of that and then um blues Ball was crazy man we 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 were on the verge of signing a very b- lucrative big record deal mm-hmm. and our if i always tell people if you ever want to know what the story of blues Ball was watch the fleetwood mac documentary yeah. <laughs> because we had two couples in our uh, band yeah. and they both were you know at the end of seven years of t- heavy touring were like Okay, I'm done. I'm I can't, can't be next, next <laughs> to you anymore. And on the way across country to go to this label showcase, they both were like, yeah, you know what? This is not working out. So the other members of the band were, were all like, I wouldn't want to have to look forward to signing a contract and being in a band with somebody for the next four or five, six years if I was just breaking up with them. Yeah. So we said, this is on you guys. Like, if you don't want to do this, we're not doing it. You know. Mm-hmm and you had your it, run it, it, yeah and it almost was a, like a feeling of relief at that point because like we had ground we we just grinded so hard and we were just physically and emotionally and mentally just spent you know like <laughs> you're living you're living in a van with set we were we would we'd rent those thrifty 15 passenger vans and we had seven band members our, our manager all of our equipment and all of our clothes in one van yeah.
1: driving around the country that's just sardine, you know? So, I can relate to some skate trips that are, that are similar. Yeah. yeah. By the end, you're like, yo, I used Uh, to like this kid. Right.
0: (laughs) And we would do like 30 shows in like 41 days or something stupid. Mm. Like, so we just beat up, we beat ourselves up. But so when that ended, I came, I came back here and I was doing the grippo thing for a minute. And then, and then when the A-Dog and and Rico conflict thing hit off, I was just, it was such a blessing, you know, and, and, and refreshing and, you know, I, I think about Andy in so many levels all the time. But I, I obviously I miss him as a friend, and I miss him as a energy because he was such a good person. But I just miss like I used to have conversations with him late night all the time about, bro. You know, like if if you know Big Daddy Kane or or Rakim called and said, "Be my touring DJ," you have the skills to crush that. Yeah. And he goes, "No, I." He's like, "I probably could." I love. My life in Burlington. Yeah. I love skating, and I love doing these gigs in places like this. And I he love loved being local. He, he loved it. it. He yeah. like he lo- his afternoon skate session, and then doing some art. Like that was yeah. like he was so happy in those moments, and like I appreciated that. But I was always just like wanted to like like just grab him and be like, "Man, you could like just take over." And he's like, "I know, I know, I could, but I don't, yeah,
1: I don't want success to."
0: Right is now. in the. Yeah, he, he had right. moments where he went branched out through oh, birds sure. stuff and did cool stuff, but. yeah. But yeah, man, his his loss was was brutal, and I think about just the effect he has had on me musically, and and you know gum a lot of gumbo is because of Andy's influence on me. Yeah, like the mashups, you know, the the love for soulful hip hop, the love for jazzy hip hop. Like him and I saw things on a very similar plane, and we uh, anytime we bounced something off each other, it was almost like both of us were like, yep. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm definitely happy that there's
1: moments on this album dedicated to him. You totally. Know? So. so, how long was, uh, how long did you guys rock with IOU for? A few years, right? Yeah, we did uh, three albums.
0: We did two live ones, and then we did a studio one.
1: Yeah, what was it called?
0: Uh, the albums. Yeah. The first one was uh, straight through till Friday morning, was we played Thursday nights, and then we did. Um, what was the second one called? Man, I'm blanking out. But the the, the studio album was called uh, Slide G Slide. Yeah, that's right. And it's <laughs> hilarious because there was this like 50 year old dude in the bar one night. And Re- Conflict was killing the song, and this guy gets up all drunk and starts dancing, doing his like 70s pimp dance. And Rick starts, starts, just going slide, GG slide, <laughs> slide, GG slide, and like I was like, that's the name of the album, yeah. man. And man, like, conflict, man. Him and I just had so much fun. Like, he, his main goal on Thursdays was to make me laugh and screw up Ryman. Like, I'd be deep in a verse and just like in the groove, one eye closed, and he would just put a word in in a space when I was rapping it just made me giggle and I just looked over like Mm -hmm. man let me just get through this verse yeah yeah. and that was like you know our vibe was just like you know we had so much fun and and it was it was just a really cool
1: time man yeah Conflict's a beast too oh he's a beast congrats shout out just won album of the year Vermont hip-hop uh MC of the year yeah you know I was uh Justin Bolin, shout out Wombat, asked me to be on the jury or whatever for it, and uh, let's just say some of the those ways that I voted came out, so yeah. I was pretty hyped on that, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're gonna bounce around here because because yeah. that's what we do. But uh, so at a certain point, you decide to open Steeze on Church Street. Yeah, that was yeah. right around the, t- the Iou time. Yeah, uh,
0: I was doing some some artwork, uh, some paintings, and some prints and stuff kind of Andy Warhol pop-up style, and a friend of mine, uh, Melissa Rovetar, who used to live here, worked at a poster store on Church Street and- Beyond the she, Wall. Beyond the Wall. Yeah. And she was like, why don't you put some of your prints on the counter just as like an impulse item and like a little, little sleeve. We'll see how they sell. So we did it and they started to sell. And her, the owner of the company was like, yeah, what's this? retail account that you have that's moving these units she's like oh it's my buddy's art so she showed him my art and then he was
1: like signed me to a poster deal yeah and that just took off well actually with that being said so i was living out in oakland in around like 2008 and i remember i went into the store in berkeley and i saw the monkey, the monkey the that was the one that,
0: yeah. that one pretty pretty much bought my house for me. <laughs> yeah. and that that took off and then you know he got me this like deal with bed bath and beyond and i had like shower curtains and like all these other products journals and all jigsaw puzzles, mugs, and all this stuff, and it took off. And then I was like, I should have a brick and mortar store here because I'm going to be here most of the time. Yeah. So we opened Stee's with Jordan Boyer, who yeah. I don't know where he is right now, yeah. but love hope, you. Hope you're doing well out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> he's a new dad, I heard. Oh, so. damn. Uh, and 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 that took off too. And and we you know we brought in a bunch of other brands and Burlington. I think in that time was like on the cusp
1: of that kind of being a cooler more welcoming thing yeah it was a Um, cool hangout spot too like it was a store but you know you had cj working in there yeah we had a little lounge playing some some cool beats and like you'd come in and it was a vibe you Mm -hmm. know it wasn't it wasn't just like you go in there for retail right like like you were welcome to just come kick it right and it was literally like a half a block from my apartment
0: so i between the two you know two spots i was that's where i spent most of my time was right on church street Uh and uh yeah it was awesome man I, i it, it being the size of the store, it was. It was kind of the thing where it was like it was never going to make more than this much money, and never going to make less than this. And yeah, about yeah. three or four years into it, I said, "I don't see this really growing unless we get a bigger space." And I didn't really want to take that on. Yeah. And somebody came along and said, "Hey, I'll give you this much money for it." And It was basically as much money as we were going to make in the next like three years of owning it. And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, done." <laughs> yeah, well, so, what, wash your hands. Yeah, of it. it was like perfect time. Call it a chapter. Yeah, it was perfect time. So. Yeah. Um uh, yeah and then uh you know I started making the compilation stuff around here and and I just wanted to keep having my hand in helping the younger generation that was coming up in this scene be able to get their work out mm-hmm. you know that's always kind of been my goal is like help these kids that wouldn't be able to you know do be on a compilation with Andy or or with Conflict or you know with The Aztecs or, you know, the Loyalists and put them on there with them. And it was great for those guys and it was great for the young kids, too. So, you know, and and the friendships that I've made from having these contacts with all these guys has just been awesome. Yeah, totally. To this day. still, you know, a lot of them are on this project, too.
1: Yeah. So So I wanted to touch on because, I mean, you did 80s and 90s night at Metronome for... 22 years yeah like yeah. yeah so every friday saturday and saturday no
0: well it was every saturday for like 18 years and then because the crowd got older they said we want to do a 90s night so we started doing friday night 90s night so yeah. then
1: it was 90s friday Seventies and eighties Saturday. Yeah, we don't have to divulge how much you were getting paid, but I remember oh, you telling me one time you were stupid. like, you were like, this is such silly." I didn't, of didn't money. have to have another
0: job. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I wrote a book about the eighties and the guy exploits. Uh, yeah, and 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 they're all true stories. Mm-hmm. And some of the things you know that I saw in that place in those years, you can't make up. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the debauchery and just people like. There's no inhibitions, you know, the minute the booze starts flowing and and people are singing along to their favorite 80s song that they've known their whole life and and it gets to be quarter two and you're looking for who's walking home with you. (laughs) You know, those things uh, I'll never forget. Um, Yeah. So the book's called My Life. It is called uh, I Was a 400-Pound 80s DJ. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I, I set the book up to be each chapter starts with like the lyrics from an 80s song. And then, so if you, you read like a, a little part of a verse and you're, if you know the song, you're kind of singing it in your head. And then that chapter connects to that little verse. Yeah. So the, the, first, the first chapter of the book, and this is a 100% true story, when I used to DJ in that hole in the wall behind the stage, yeah, I heard somebody in the band room behind me like bumping up against the door. And I was like, nobody's supposed to be in there. So I go to push it open. And there was a kid that looked like he was howdy doody. I, I was like, there's no way you're 21. <laughs> it had freckles, his hair was slicked, red hair slicked. Smiling the biggest smile at me. And in front of him on her knees was this 70 <laughs> year old woman with a bald spot in the back of her head. Oh and I'm staring him eye to eye. And I started to be like, I wanted to be like, you know, the authoritarian, you gotta get out of here. But I was like, you know what? <laughs> You do you. So I just shut the door and smiled at Not him. Not even mad, I'm impressed. As I'm pull, pulling the door shut slowly and backing out, his smile gets bigger and he holds up her dentures.
1: Oh my he God. He took her teeth
0: out. No way. So I shut the door. I go back into DJ. DJ, couple songs later, I feel a tap on my shoulder. I turn, he's looking at me all smiling, puts a $5 bill very gently on my mixer and he whispers in my ear, Thanks for letting her finish. And I thought that was the best and worst decision I'd ever made. That is so gross and so awesome. But the best part about the whole telling of this story to you is the song for that chapter that starts the whole book is Man Eater by Holland Oaks. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're singing the lyrics to that song and then you read this story and my friends who were started reading the book would call me and be like, is this the beginning can I finish this book and I was like oh it gets way worse (laughs) and they're all true stories man you
1: can't I couldn't make it up that's hilarious yeah yeah so you know you had (laughs) been I guess you kind of like you owned the fact that it was 80s night right like you had a deal worked out with them where they couldn't run it without you type of thing? No, that they just together. didn't want
0: to. They yeah. had, when I, I didn't, for the first almost 20 years, I only missed four of them.
1: Yeah. And every Saturday I was there. And, and that's something that's, uh, you're an asset at that point. Cause it's like, hey, we don't ever have to worry about it. Like we know right. oh, on was, our busiest night, he's got it locked and you're the cash cow. Cause that eighties night would be packed. Oh, the, the line was down the street. And that's yeah. why they paid me so
0: well, because it was like plug and play. Like I showed up on time that it, it was packed. The bar was psyched. The, the place was psyched. There was no drama. Yeah. I was out of there without any 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 trouble. So like they it, they knew it was just plug and play. Yeah, you were their cash cow
1: as much as they were your cash cow.
0: <laughs> right, hundred yeah. percent. So when it finally outgrew like like anything, you know, over time, the, the, the people who would go to that weren't going out. Yeah. Twenty three years later. Yeah. You know, so I understood that it had run its course. Um, yeah. So then you sparked the '90s night. which yeah. You did for. Yeah, that was great, people love that. And then it even went into 2000s because the crowd got younger and younger. Yeah. Uh, and then I was just at the point where like, you know, to be totally honest, the old ownership of, of Metronome, they started to basically lose their interest in caring as much about it. Yeah. And the way that they treated many of the employees who had been there a long time didn't sit well with me. And I was one who wouldn't just stand for that. And I spoke up about it and unfortunately they, didn't give me a response that I liked. And I said, okay, yeah. I'm gonna walk away then because there was a few longtime employees, Jamile, Hulvey, who they they were like, you know, yeah. kick rocks. And I'm like, man, these guys gave you their heart and soul. It's not how you treat somebody yeah. who's dedicated a decade plus to you. like?
1: Yeah, it's always weird with an establishment like that because it's like the people who get into it as the ownership and then you know, you get burnt out on it, and then you start yeah. feeling like it's whatever, and so I mean, then you just see, you know, it's, it's tough to really stay that into it like you were when you first sparked it because it becomes well, monotonous, right? Well, there was a big change from, you know, the early
0: 2000s, mid-2000s to the end of the 2010s of people going out and just the interest in going downtown. Waned. Yeah. So they weren't making as much money Mm -hmm. and they didn't have the money to like keep up with things. Yeah, they needed to do something to reinvent themselves. Exactly. Uh They should have just cleaned it up, tried, you know, completely new angle. And that was suggested many times, but they just didn't have the money, didn't have the time, didn't have the interest. So they were honest about that, but almost too honest. And it was like, okay, like, no
1: doubt. You know, thank you, but another chapter, right? Another chapter. Exactly. So, uh, so with that being said, all right, so I want to talk a little bit about, um, so you and Craig, you know, you and Craig Mitchell obviously are thickest as thieves. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, just talk a little bit about how you and Craig kind of just came to know each other and just yeah, the, so you know, some of that. Craig and I met uh, at
0: the beginning of Blizz Baha. Um He was, do- you know, setting up his dominance as the best DJ around here, obviously him and Andy. And Craig and I also musically... See perfectly eye to eye on many, many things and just have a good energy as friends. And Craig, when Craig moved to New York to do some, uh, you know, record industry stuff there, he had been the one to start Retronome. So he was like, hey, do you want to take this over? And I was like, yeah. And so he handed the baton to me, which I'm super appreciative to this day, you know, two decades plus. And so uh, when Craig uh, and I were talking, I don't know, it was probably six or seven years ago, maybe, we were like, I think a Motown kind of base night would do well around here, especially on an off night of the week. So we started it on uh, uh, Monday nights at Nectar's in the summer, in the front window with the window open. Yeah. And people loved it. It was like really, really cool vibe. And then those guys decided they didn't want to continue it for whatever reason. and. Monkey House was like, yeah, we'll do it here. And we've been there since. And it's just a, a great vibe. Like, Craig and I love the gig for many reasons. We, you know, one, the music we get to play is music we both love and grew up on and just, like, to this day have this appreciation for it. And it's all, soul music is feel-good music, mm-hmm. you know? You can't be in a bad mood when you're listening to Marvin Gaye and Al <laughs> Yeah, 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 you can be in a bad mood. So to start your week off with, like, er, and it's an early set so for both us old djs we love the seven to ten slot yeah uh we love that it's the type of gig where you don't have somebody coming up to you shoving a piece of paper in your face hey play this song next i'm leaving type crap which is what you get at a bar setting a a club a night setting it's more people just come and hang out and just say thank you and love what we're doing and him and i both love finding like mashups and and, and different versions remixes of stuff that like you know but like you never heard you know whatever it may be al green with like a little bit of a house beat underneath it or like mm-hmm. sade same type thing like finding a soul track that is like reinvented we we bring it like each each time we get together to do it yeah you're trying we to both pop each our, other yeah we pop, we yeah. exactly yeah. we pop our usb in, and then i'm like yo wait to hear what i got for you tonight and then we we, we switch every half hour so when i'm yeah. spinning he's at the bar and and I'm vice versa. And our whole goal in spinning is like keep the crowd entertained, but to make the oh yeah. Me or him turn around and go, Oh, what the
1: hell, where'd you find that? You I mean the true artist does it for themselves but also other artists. Like you <laughs> I mean it's like the, crowd, the crowd's dope for yeah. sure. And you need that, but it's like yeah. you care a lot more about the homies in the cipher in their opinion than you do the people listening on the. We outside. literally <laughs>
0: every week, and I'm yeah. doing it tonight with them later. But we, every week we keep track of who says more. God
1: damn it! Like <laughs> when you get them to turn and be like, Where, "Where'd you find that?" We like, the that's the goal. Year. Yeah, yeah, the goddamn count. So, uh, so that's every other Monday, is that correct? Yeah. All
0: yeah,
1: right. yeah. So tonight, uh, with and, and and
0: Craig, obviously, um, you know, when when I was putting this record together, uh, he was the, one of the first people that I was like, I don't know what track you're going to do with me yet, but I want you to be a center point of this. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was a lot of tracks on this record that are emotional and deep and heavy because it was talking about death and loss and a bunch of things. So I said, I want the first track to be an uppercut funk banger. And when I found the sample and sent it to Craig, within 10 minutes, he was like, I got the hook. And when we hit the studio, we laid it down and it was funky as all hell. We got Mr. Burns on it too and Grippo on sax on it and a couple of girl backup singers. And we knew it was a just a crusher. And then Craig said, I wanna go back over to Sky Splitter Zach's house and do a couple of ad-libs. And I thought he meant like a couple of things here and there. No, he ad-libbed over the whole track. And when he was done, both Zach and I looked at each other and said, now that thing is legit.
1: Break it
0: down now. it
1: down. Like
0: bring with that energy and that life, and when you listen to that track, it's every little thing he's doing. In which between. one is it? The first track, ooh, ooh, oh, ooh, ooh yeah. yeah, and it's just a banger, and it's 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 all and, Bur-
1: and Burns crushes that. And one, Burns too. crushes, yeah, it. yeah. I know yeah. Burns got uh, nominated for yeah. best yeah. Verse on yeah. that one, yeah. yeah.
0: And and literally just you know, we'll talk more about gumbo, I'm sure. But like the the, the whole point of gumbo for me was to have every song be about the artist I'm having as the guest, like mm-hmm. they're taking over that track. So when people call me and say I love the Jen Hartswick track, or I love the Craig track, or I love the you know The Dwight's Wish track. When they say that, I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted. I always looked at Gumbo going into it as Guru's Jazzmatazz. Oh, yeah. That I'm the host of it, but I'm not the main.
1: There's only like three or four tracks that are just me. Yeah. Almost every track is a collaboration. So, yeah. That's what I want. For people who don't know, Gumbo just won Vermont Hip Hop Album of the Year. So, congrats on that. And, yeah, you know what's crazy about that to me is when I saw the
0: nominees, I was like, oh, man, that's dope. And I was like, I'm a fifty year old dude who put this record out and for many, many reasons, but like I'm so proud of it. But I saw North Ave
1: Jackson there. Yeah. And I was
0: like, this dude is getting triple A radio play.
1: Yeah, not to mention he's got, you know, all the kids that are on the internet who are all that. So right. like so like so it's an uphill battery. It's an uphill battle, right?
0: it like battle. And yeah. then when I beat him somehow, I was like, man, like like, I, respect right. to that. That's respect right. to him, that's man. right. No, but I just I wasn't I wasn't like oh, no, in your I face. Know. I was like, wow, like that speaks so much to like how this album has resonated with people that that many people. I think Justin said there's like a hundred something, whatever people voting.
1: Yeah, that was for the initial, I believe. but Yeah, yeah totally.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, man, that just meant a lot. Like, and respect to him, and respect to all the nominees. Like, oh, yeah. you know, Conflict's album oh. easily could have won. Oh, Jar's definitely. album.
1: Jarve made that whole thing himself. Well, like, that just goes to show too that like the level is just being raised up around here, and really, oh, yeah. and really like on any given Sunday type shit, right? Like, yeah, it, it just as easily, no one would have been surprised to hear that anyone that you mentioned was yeah. the one, and like that's not to discredit how good gumbo is. It's yeah. just just goes speaks yeah. to like just our scene, yeah, which has been growing because you know when we were, you know, twenty five years ago when we were rocking shows, yeah. You threw a rock, you hit the people who were doing it. That's right. it. It, it, yeah. was, it wasn't many yeah. of us, you know what yeah. I mean? Straight up. I know, I know. And, uh, and, so it's cool to see the way it's just, uh, yeah. you know, expanded. And yeah, to see like the young cats like North Ave Jack, shout, who happens to be Sean Stem's uh, nephew. Is it you know really? That. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's Shannon. Shout out, Shannon. Yeah. yeah. Right, P Stem, but yeah, that's uh, that's Stem's nephew, so. Yeah. Well, the one thing
0: I did want to mention is that I was talking to you about before we started filming is You know, Gumbo, the original party for Gumbo was supposed to be right before the holidays. And I had some health stuff go on and we had to postpone it. So now it's going to be February 11th in this venue. Yeah. And knowing that we had to postpone it, before I started getting these accolades over the last month for this album, which I didn't know I was going to get, I said, you know, thinking about a month ahead, we have to think of a way to... mm, remind people about this and, and renew interest for the show to, to sell tickets and get people to come. So our idea that we came up with was like, let's take a bunch of the vocals from these tracks and give them to producers and make a remix album of it. Okay. So we've been doing that. And then this thing started to get these amazing reviews and every publication it has been listed as like one of the best records. And I'm like, man, every time one comes out, I'm like, holy crap, man, this is amazing. But this remix project
1: is bananas. Like. Yeah. It's going to come out the week before the show. Who do you have on? Is it a lot of the same producers that worked with you on the actual album? Uh, there's a couple different ones. Yeah. Uh,
0: I did a bunch of, of mashups of some stuff, and then Illu did one. E Train did a crazy one of the Nicole Nelson tracks. Shout out E Train, oh, my boy, man, right he crushed. Yeah. And uh, you know, um, Pro did a couple of them, nice. and then uh, JJ Dante. Uh, da Vinci, yeah. who used to live here, yeah, he was, and a he lifelong my, friend of mine. My roommate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he and I have been talking about this track called Mister Martin. And I was originally, when I approached him about it, was thinking of him doing kind of a dance hall thing because he's his his vein is reggae oh, style. Yeah. And he wanted to, but he was just having some trouble. He's like, I'm just kind of in this creative block with this, with that, with that type of thought. He's like, I'm I'm really sorry. He's like two or three days ago. He's like, I'm really sorry. I I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I was like, man, no, no stress. Don't, don't force a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. But then he called me a day and a half ago and he's like, you're not going to believe this, but he's like, I found this beat that I made a while back and I never did anything with it and I loved it. And it's actually a Neil Young sample of my my hey hey, which I love that song, oh, yeah. it's and it's about passing. It's mm. you know out of the out of the blue and into the black is, yep. the, ten, is the is the lyric, which it, it goes with this song called Mr. Martin. But the craziest part is, Tommy Wheeler did a verse on it that he never put out. Oh wow! And God. it's about his dad committing suicide. Holy crap! When you hear this dude, not only is the verse amazing, like performance wise, I got chills just but, thinking dude, about it. It's it's crazy. Yeah. And we're putting it together right now, and it's just going to – it gives me chills. And I can't wait for people to hear it. And I love that he's going to be on it because I'm like, man, I J.J. forgot he even had it. And if he hadn't just been looking through his folders and found this instrumental, he never would have remembered. Crazy. Yeah. So
1: it's going to be insane. That, that's the holy flow of hypersynchronicity right there. This, you know what? <laughs> this whole this up. whole
0: Gumbo project has been this weird – like, every time a track has lined up with the artist and the beat and the message – it's almost like it was meant to happen at that time. And they've all said that to me multiple times. You know, when I when I first had the health scare and, and wanted to make this record, I reached out to a bunch of the artists, not all of them, but like the first five or six and said, here's what I want to do. I want to combine these producers' beats with live musicianship. And I said, the whole kind of message behind this is we as human beings are constantly getting signals from the universe all the time, but we're so busy thinking about the next time we got to get to work or the food we got to pick up to feed our family or whatever it is, we're always so focused on the next task that we're not seeing these signals that the universe is trying to tell us you should be paying attention to this. Mm -hmm. But when you actually like catch a glimpse of one and it changes your path for the right direction, that's what this is about. And every artist said to me, I'm either going through that right in this moment or I just went through it. So they're like, I already have something in my mind that will fit that mindset. And, and if you listen to the lyrics, when you listen to the record, you can hear that. You know, Jen Hartswick had just had gastric bypass and was found this renewed health. And her song about if it's meant for me, you know, surely I will find it in the subtlety. You know, and talking about kiss, the, the breeze kissing the trees in the summer. And I'm like, it's fucking beautiful poetry that just like makes you feel that summer day vibe you know like she just captured that mode and everyone you know the dwight song for his friend that had the drug addiction and 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 the nicole song a new day that's people are like that song sounds like a james bond theme you know so like just the deliveries that these people gave to this are really what makes this so powerful you know like i'm i'm proud of it and i'm psyched that i put it together but i'm definitely like it wouldn't have been crap if it was all just fatty B,
1: yeah you know like so a, there's what 18 songs how many 27. songs 27 oh 27 oh damn yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. so yeah it's a listen and the running time's hour and a half hour and a half so yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah you want, why don't for the people at home why don't you break down just who's on it and yeah just, you know. so
0: like I guess the first thing I always want to talk about with this record is the the list of the people who were the producers of it because it's so the town is crazy and like they basically shaped everything with me so mm-hmm. the, the main one there's two main ones one is uh luke gothier illu yeah and him and i have worked hand in hand on this entire project equal eye records yeah and we put it out on equalize and luke is just uh, he's an amazing person he's an amazing producer talent wise ear wise him and i hear things exactly the same way we've spent many many hours in my living room just moving stuff around talking about changing this you know the, the timing of something and we both hear it the same way and it's worked out Perfectly, and I really couldn't have done it without him. The second one is Zach Sky Splitter. Zach mixed 75% of this and mastered all of it. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's getting these end-of-the-year accolades as one of the best records is because of Zach.
1: Yeah. His sound And I mean he has his hands in everything. 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 (laughs) Everything. And it's
0: I tell people like if you want to work with somebody who's going to make your your song, your project sound the best. Send it to him yeah whether you mix it with him or not send it to him after yeah let him let him shine it up because he knows what he's doing and then mascot who uh, I don't try to remember who told me about him first but somebody was like in the beginning of this said, if you don't know him, you need to introduce yourself and you need to work with us so I reached out to him we hit it off right away. He's down near Johnson and he's a vocalist producer, musician just a super talented dude and a super nice guy and all the stuff that we worked on together is just brilliant he sang on some stuff he's he changed the sequencing of some things that i loved like just every idea he came in with i was like you don't even have to ask me anymore just do it i know i'm gonna like it. yeah and that's you, that kind of trust is amazing mm-hmm. and then pro obviously mixed a bunch of stuff and made a bunch of beats shout out pro brian mcveigh is just yeah life prolong friend now and, and super talented and Another person musically that I just like—I know when I bounce something off him, he's going to give it back to me straight, and we're going to see eye to eye on it. No doubt, Mr. Burns, obviously amazing, go-getter. Uh, Monty, uh, my my friend Nat Woodard, who uh, did the reggae tune with me with Miriam and and Rob, uh, has been a lifelong friend who, back in the in the you know, the hop compilation days, we had some tracks on those. And then he had a couple of kids with his wife and fell off the music scene for many, many years. And him and I have always been friends, but haven't stayed in touch. And near the end of the gumbo project, I get a call from him. And I'm like, man, I haven't heard from you in like almost a decade. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm I'm emailing you some beats. I want you to check out for maybe doing a song. And I was like, oh, for gumbo? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not on social media. And I was like, wait, <laughs> so you just out of like a decade later say, There it is. He just had a feeling. <laughs> and and like I opened it and I'm like immediately that reggae track, I was like, this one. So it's just weird how like he had a, a, a you know intuition that he needed to send me that. I needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's like that's how it worked out. And then Urian Hackney. dude, like, I'm so I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that we're friends, and I'm so happy that we're music collaborators, but, like, he's just the most talented, humble dude. Yeah. I
1: was who, hanging out with
0: him the other day at Talent. Dude, he's just— Yeah, he's, he's a man. His life in music is crazy. He'll, like, go play a music festival in, like, Europe and then fly back and do, like, Zombie a drum lesson. Rock. And, like, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like, And he just talks about it, like, oh, you know, I went to the grocery store. I'm like, no, you went to, you know, yeah. play a festival with, like, this huge band. Mm-hmm. But he's just so, his ear too, like I have every, every suggestion, so I'd be in the studio with him, I did a lot of, of my vocals at his studio, and I'd be like, yeah, I killed that verse, and I'd come in, and he'd be like, yeah, but hold on, and he'd like rewind, and be like, what about this line? And it'd be like a part of a line, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I'm like, just for his ear to pull that out, mm-hmm. and make me redo it, and it'd be better, and I'd turn around and be like, dude, thank you, like, I would have sat with it, and then years later, been like, oh, I wish I'd done that line different, but he'd heard it. Instantly, it was like let's fix it. So mm-hmm. brilliant. And then uh, Bob Wagner,
1: you know, just so much talent, just a humble dude. And yeah, we had Bob here uh, last weekend. I think he yeah. was playing with the yeah the Queen coming yeah. Band. Yeah,
0: yeah. he's going to be playing at the show, the Gumball Show. And yeah,
1: yeah. So all those guys. That's a heavy roster. It's heavy, it? man. Yeah. <laughs> like
0: super talent. And and then the artists involved, like the MCs, or you know, Mr. Burns, um, Tease, Love, who's I'm, I'm the biggest T fan. I just think that, like, he's underrated, and I don't think people really respect his talent level. And I, I've, i like, through this whole process, just been like, bro, you're a monster, you know? And people are going to figure it out. Just keep plugging, and, like, people are going to see and understand. And He's got a new project coming out that Zach played me a couple of tracks from. And, dude, I can hear him being on the radio. Yeah. I swear to God. Like, I can hear some label hearing a track and just being like, I need that. So mm-hmm. shout-out to him. Uh Truth, Warren, man, loved having him on the track with, with Lyric. Yep, that's And, uh, you know, both Lyric and Pro are, are on some stuff. And uh, Wombatic is to get him to climb out of his one grave of, site. One of the most, you know, most underrated ever.
1: Oh. <laughs> like, so good. If the you minute, don't know about Wombat, <laughs> oh God. you need to go check the it. The minute he said he was going to do the verse on a new day, and I said... I don't even want to hear it till until it's done because I know I'm going to love every I word. I just sent him a beat that uh, SK and Sky Splitter made for me that I've been sitting on, and we're going to get down and Good. Be over that one. So, yeah. SK is my one regret that
0: he's not on this because yeah. we he sent me a bunch of beats. There was a few that I really wanted. A couple of them had already been sold. Yeah. And then we were trying to figure it out. And as it got to the end, I'm like, man, it's not, it's not going to happen. But I'm like, that's like my biggest Well, you have yet. to get both of us on the next one. <laughs> <Yeah>, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know Vader, the villain. Yeah, yeah, super talented man. Yeah, super talented, like visual painting artist, but just a talented singer and rapper, and just a humble dude. Uh, him and I first met in Steez. He used to come in the Steez all the yeah, time.
1: Totally, that's where but I remember him from.
0: love doing a track with him. um One of my good friends who doesn't live here anymore, Dwight on He started his career as a spoken word poet. He's on the song "Kiss the Trees" with me and Jen hartswick He's super talented super intellectual crazy flow reminds me kind of a like a spoken word craig mac in his yeah. style you know i love him um Revon, calderon like dude beast like I yeah, wa- homie's coming up i've watched his <laughs> career like i i knew he was just a monster in the beginning but i've just seen him get better and better and better
1: I remember his first show wasn't that long ago yeah
0: no <laughs> no i mean and i've known him since he was you know, 10 years old, eight years old, because I'm friends with his dad. And I, you know, just to see him blossom and just be a monster, I'm like, so he's, I'm so happy for him. Mm -hmm. Um, My man, Double G, old school friend is on a track. And my nephew, Dan Larson, who goes by Lone Nexus, him and I have a track. And he just graduated from high school last year and he's a producer and just he's, people are gonna start to
1: figure out how talented he is too, so. I mean, there's so many people on this, so we might have to keep it moving with all the names quicker. Yeah, oh, yeah. sure. So to. the vocalist, Jen Hartswick, obviously, <laughs> yeah. Monster.
0: Craig Mitchell, yeah. uh, Miriam Bernardo is on the reggae track. Beautiful soul, beautiful singer. Bob Wagner does the track. Uh, Shauna Anderson from Blues Baha. Like I said, mascot sings on a track. Nicole Nelson, Dwight Nicole are both on tracks. It's just, you know, name after name after name. The horn players, Dave Grippo, Joey Somerville. The DJs, E-Train, Kanga, and DJ Anubis all doing cuts. It's, yeah, it's it's like a dream lineup, and it really, I'm just like so blessed that they all agreed to do it and, and really brought the heat, like there's nobody that, when I was playing this for my friends the first time we sat down, there's like two of my friends that I really respect their opinion, we sat in my house and we were running through the tracks. We got to like track 17 or 18, and they're like, yo, hold on a second, and they're like, There's no cutters. There's no fillers. Like, there's nothing we can tell you that, like, needs to go. And I'm like, I know that's what, that's why it's 20-something tracks. Like. I can't say no to anything. And every time
1: some producer would send me another email, like, hey, here's a couple more beats. I'm like, I'm not even opening this. I feel like it doesn't feel like it is. Like I said, I was like, what's it, 18? Like 28 yeah. or whatever. Like, no. I feel like yeah, it flows. It does. flows, yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. And it's weird that there's this many different producers and this many different artists. But people said it has a kind of a similar sound to it. And yeah. I'm like, I think that that's Zach, Sky Splitter, oh, of course. From the way he mixed it. Yeah, you that's, know?
1: That's, no, that's no coincidence. Yeah,
0: so, yeah, man. Yeah. It's a monster. It's a monster of an album. And I'm so... So excited to do the party here for it. The did party. Do we
1: cover everybody who, yeah, who's yeah, on there? Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, one of my favorite verses, definitely from Wish. You know, that's my. Oh yeah. That's my man's right there. Yeah, and, uh, he crushed it. But yeah, the whole album's dope. Um, yeah, and it. Wish. Wish, who I've been friends with for a while now, and I knew
0: as one of the breakers in yeah. rhythm riders He's and a ridiculous super breaker. super breaker, like
1: yeah.
0: crazy talented, and has actually like done touring and stuff on as a breaker. Yeah, and then. The first time he played me a verse that he was on, I was like, what? I'm like, why aren't you doing more of that? And he's like, well, I'm trying to. He's like, and I can tell he's like, just confidence-wise, he he's he's trying to like,
1: get over the hump of being afraid to just put himself out we there. We were at Green Door for a uh, third Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Few nights ago, and he was there, and I called him out. I got him to get on the mic. And and did he he do, do it? it? Yeah, he good.
0: It killed it. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm telling him. Like, he always
1: kills right? it. I think he's going to do well here at this party. Right. I think he's ready to, to show people. Yeah, he always kills what's it. What, yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about you know just the business side because you know this show's called Vermont Entrepreneurs. So just yeah. a little bit about yeah. I feel like you're someone who's you know you've had your hand in a lot of different things. You're mm-hmm. like uh, a Vermont entrepreneur in every sense of the word. Yeah. So, like what advice do you have for people who are maybe you know trying to figure out how to operate you know from like the business side of it like what are some of the do's and don'ts that you've learned over the years about just how you conduct there's
0: a lot of i mean the main rules that i that i live by every single day and what i do is 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 what i'm going to do for a project either going to make me money or make money that helps somebody in some kind of a way. If it's a benefit thing, I'm into doing it. If it's going to make me some money and it's going to be a good project to be involved in, then I'm into it. But you have to be excited about what you're going to do. If you're doing a job that you hate just to pay the bills, you're not going to have creative energy to do the things you want to do. You're not. You're going to be pissed off that you have to go to a crappy job you hate. You have to find a way to make money. And if you can do it where you make money in what you're doing and you're creatively and excited about it, that's the goal, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think I've taken on a lot of projects that did that, you know, DJing the store, you know, like the art, the posters, the the painting shows I've done, I've done things that I'm like, this is going to turn into money. It's going to be a bunch of effort up front, but I'm going to reap rewards and I'm going to have fun doing it. And with art, I love the fact that people take what I do and take it with them and it's 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 locked in time. Yeah. You know? Like I have friends who send me pictures, I still have this painting of yours on the wall, or I'm still listening to the IOU record. Like yeah. it's 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 locked in and it's there and it's like people can enjoy it. And that's one thing that I always think about with Andy is that we're so blessed to have the videos and the and the tracks he did and yeah. we can always just go back and like pop something
1: pop on YouTube and be like you're back with him. Yeah. You know it's, it's It's essentially putting it in a time capsule. 100%, and and this is what, a lot of people said
0: this is what Gumbo is, is it's like this wonderful, like capture of like old school and new school artists
1: mm -hmm.
0: collaborating. And, you know, Peter Edelman and I talked about when this project was starting and about doing this show here, how back in the day, you know, IOU days and, you know, early 2000s, whatever, mid, mid 90s, the Burlington music scene was this collaborative, everybody in. Yeah. And then it slowly like split, and I think it had to do with like egos and separating genres, and pandemic obviously had a terrible effect on things. And and you know, we talked about this a bunch, but like the Burlington bar scene, mid two thousands realized I can pay a band eight hundred dollars, have to pay a sound man hopefully they bring in some people maybe they don't maybe we don't make money at the bar well, or I, can just, I hire a dj for 400 yeah or, and i the, it's packed and i don't just, have a sound man or just
1: play an ipod yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. so like i i saw i was a love both a live musician and a dj so i saw the rewards of like the djs taking over and, I, and there was a point in brunton no lie that i was djing four nights a week yeah but i was taking f- money out of the bands and the musicians mouths by doing that. So i it was a weird position to be in because i was seeing the benefit of it, but i knew that that meant that the scene was lessening. You yeah. used to be able to walk down Church Street on a given night and see 10 different bands yeah. up and down Church Street. Now, uh, if unless it's a Friday or Saturday, you're lucky to see
1: two. I feel like right around like, the time like when um, you know, plan b And, like, the green door and that stuff. I feel like that's when it started to get a little bit, um, you know, like... Away from the... Yeah. Yeah. Like, the greediness. Yeah. And you saw that with, you know, those those owners, like, embezzling money and taking off and all that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So what about in terms of... Because you're somebody who's, you know, been successful and you're able to buy a house and all that. What about, like, how do you manage finances? I know that's a loaded question, but, like, any advice for younger kids coming up, like did you have a savings plan? Were you my I goal is to make this much? It or, took a long time or, or, to, yeah. be, to figure all that out because
0: when I was in Belisbaha, when I tell you I was broke, like the best example of that I always tell people is I was so broke that I would go to friends' houses and when they went to the bathroom, I would dig in their couch for change. No lie. <laughs> I've been there. And I you know <laughs> and like I would if I got a dollar fifty when I left there I was happy. Yeah. And like that's broke. Mm-hmm. Like so out of coming out of being in a band for a decade that was successful, but financially not successful because so many mouths to feed so much, so many bills to pay. Yeah, and the expenses of
1: touring. Everything. And all that, so know.
0: like we, we we saw success, but we didn't end up successful after it. Yeah, financially. So it took me a long time. Like I, I went back to college and luckily I had some of it paid for, I'm still paying for college. Mm-hmm. But I, I said after that, I said, first thing I'm gonna do is get my credit score straight. Second of all, I'm gonna invest smarter. And thirdly, I'm going to do things that I can pay my bills, but put a percentage in a savings every single time I get paid. Yeah.
1: Now, how old were you when you ended up buying your house?
0: It was uh, 14, 13 years ago. So I was 36. Okay. So, yeah. And I wanted to for a while, but I, in fact, I was the year that I first wanted to do it. I went to talk about getting the loan and they said, you're a DJ and you make a bunch of cash. So you need to change that whole mindset, take a whole year, get rid of a bunch of debt, report more than you make even, Mm -hmm. and then get the house loan. And then you can go back to doing how you do it. But I'm like, that's not the way, you know, you don't think that way.
1: Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, you're like, I just got 700 bucks for a night of work or whatever it is. You're like, I'm going out to buy a new jacket and some shoes or whatever. So,
0: yeah, it took a long, long, long time to be able to understand that. And it's, you know, I also, because I've had so many brushes with not being here anymore, Mm. I'm also like, I tell people, if you want to take that trip, take the trip. Yeah. You know? So don't, is, don't so plan that for line. it for five years. It's go that do fine it.
1: line, right? Between like trying to save for a future and live in the pa- and live in the present, right? You've gotta
0: do things now, man. You don't, yeah. you literally don't know. Look at all of our friends who have who have moved on and aren't here with us anymore, and we had no idea they wouldn't be. Like yeah. that could happen to any of us, and believe me, I know. Like do the things you want to do and do them now. It's like not only, not only for you, but like if you're gonna travel with family or go see family you ever seen, and then you don't, and then they pass, like then you're gonna regret that. So Take advantage of time,
1: first and foremost. Well, I want to say I'm happy that seemingly your health is getting better and that you're out here with us. You know what I mean? Appreciate that. And on uh, February 11th, Gumbo, it's going to be live in here. I'll be working at the bar. Hopefully, I can come. You know, make some appearances over on the way. But uh yeah, man, go to the double E website, early.
0: get your tickets. Now. Yeah. Go to
1: EssexExperience.com. Yeah. Uh, I think you were saying that you got uh, 14 stars going to be. Yeah. Free beer, free beers for the first half free hour. Free beer six to if you get here at six. So, yep. you know, that's some incentive to get here earlier. Yeah. Um, or actually, I mean, I want to word that correctly. Force Star Brewing will purchase beer. a beer for you. <laughs> yeah, a beer. It's yes. not free beer. Not free. They will purchase a Someone beer. Someone hand it to you, it it. and you will drink it. Yeah, we don't want so, the DLC on us about that. Yeah, That's no, right. No, no. Um, and I, yeah, I just want to congratulate you on all your Thank successes. You, man.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on this. Like, what you guys do is amazing. And um, you know, I've been I've been super blessed in my career to see a ton of success on a multitude of levels. And I've seen some dark, dark, dark days and that's life you know and i i appreciate the bad with the good and the good with the bad because i wouldn't appreciate the good without the bad and it makes it has made me who i am and it has made me passionate and and i'm telling you i every day if it's snowing and icy and dark and gray out i'm still happy yeah because it's like i'm here
1: (laughs) yeah gotta give thanks yeah absolutely Gotta, gotta give thanks so uh Talk a little bit about how you decided to have the Gumbo premiere here. I mean, you know, we did I, Homie, here, yeah. and then I started working here, and yeah. it's a really cool place to be a part of, like Peter Edelman. We actually yeah. just released the episode with Kevin Stater and Peter today. So if you haven't seen Vermont Entrepreneurs episode six, go check that out. Yeah. Um, but talk a little bit about how you decide here, because, you know, higher ground is always an option. The Flynn, there's all these cool spaces around, but what made you decide to want to do it with the I think H?
0: it's like the the aesthetics of this like it's it's comfy Mm -hmm. um having the screen we're going to be able to do some cool projections uh jason liggy is going to be doing the lights and the video stuff and shout out liggy professional amazing human yeah like this place is going to look amazing it's going to sound amazing i think we're going to have like a really cool stage set up with like a vibe of you know, when Lig and I were talking him, he's like, imagine like the bar scene from The Shining. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. money, that's money, ridiculous. you know? Uh-huh. And that's the, it's, I think it's just gonna be something where you can come with your kids and with, with your parents and the eclecticness of what the music is gonna be. There's there's gonna be some hip hop. I have encouraged the artists to keep it like on the G side or the PG side of, of content Closer for the PG. most part. Yeah. Uh, And I want it to be an experience where someone who came to see the hip hop artist didn't know about Dwight and Nicole or Bob Wagner and was like, wow. And someone who knows them and didn't know about Wish or Peace. They're like, whoa, you know, open eyes on both sides of the spectrum. And just really, for me, the night is about celebrating these artists this vibe and the stories, the, the whole night is gonna be a storytellers type vibe. Like VH1 Storytellers, I'm gonna, we're gonna have a little fake bar set up over here. Let's not
1: give them too much.
0: Well, <laughs> the, the, the short of it is, I'm gonna tell stories about the artist and about the how the track came together. The artist will join me to perform it. And then I will step to the side and that artist will perform a few songs of their own. And it may be a cover they've always loved and an original or two originals but they're gonna perform a couple tunes and have their moment. And then when they exit, I'll talk about the next artist and the next song, and that's how the night's gonna go. It's gonna be a celebration of gumbo, but it's gonna be a celebration of these musicians and this scene and just the energy of coming together to make a night that this crowd's gonna leave here being like, that was cool, you know?
1: And so we'll put links for all this stuff. People can still buy the book. Yep, that's okay. on Amazon. Okay, yep. and then gumbo, how can they purchase gumbo? Uh, equalize
0: records, um, or you can street, you know, purchasing the record is is really key for us because we're donating all the proceeds to Boston Children's Hospital. That's awesome. And we didn't talk about it, but that goes through the name Reese Paye, who is a, a young man who reached out to me when I was in the hospital and sent me a, a message wishing me well. And he also has a, some heart condition stuff that he's dealing with. And this record was inspired by his message to me in that moment of me being not well and feeling bad for myself and him saying, I'm someone you met for a moment. I'm dealing with some stuff of my own. I want you to know I'm thinking about you. And for a kid who was 12 years old at the time to say, I have that in me to think of you. It made me say, thank you. I kicked myself in the ass and said, I need to take care of myself better because much of my stuff was brought on by my behaviors. Mm-hmm. His is something he has no control over. Mm-hmm. So it really opened my eyes to changing the way I look at not only my health, but life. And I said, I've always wanted to do this project. And in that moment in the hospital, after I got that message from I said, I'm doing this project. And that's literally when it was decided upon.
1: Yeah. And the
0: moment I got out of the hospital is when I started reaching out to people and said, here's what I want to do. Everyone's like, we're in. So Reese and his mom and his dad are going to be here the night of the show. And there's a song on the album that we looped Reese's drums with Uriah and Bob Wagner took and made that song. And Bob
1: Wagner is going to perform that song. So it's pretty cool. Awesome. And so the the money from buying the full album goes goes to the children's children's hospital. hospital. I mean, you
0: can stream the album on all the streaming services, Mm -hmm. but if you purchase it, it's $10 and that money goes right to the hospital. Yeah, 10 well-spent dollars.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Absolutely so we'll throw links for all that stuff in there and um what about in terms of art are you still making any art or yeah you know ironically <laughs> i mean th- 3d art <laughs> yeah well ironically I, I i had
0: a bunch of paintings that were in a gallery in brooklyn uh jan larsen gallery and we did a couple of shows and he sold many of my paintings over the years and he's a great great friend great collaborator and he is living in Tokyo, Japan now and just had a baby and is basically set up there and we've been communicating. And I said, you know, I'd love to get some of my paintings. I don't even know what you have left. And he actually just recently sent me a message. He said, I have like 20 of your paintings. I'm getting back to you in a month. So mm-hmm. I've got a few others that I started back in the day that I never finished. So I'm gonna have a show somewhere, like probably March. Yep. Um, one place we were thinking about was the new line skis shop on main street. Okay. I'm friends with Jason and he has this huge wall there. and. We thought maybe in the spring it'd be a cool place to do an art opening party a DJ and just have a gathering, yeah. a bar in there. So we'll see. Soon I'm going to do something like that. But it's been a while since I did an art show, but I I have a bunch coming back to me that I didn't know I
1: had. And I would love to, you know, sell them and nice. do something cool with the money. We'll, we'll definitely have to keep uh, keep the guests out here notified in that pops. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I guess the last thing I can think of is if there are any specific shout outs you need to give to anyone. I know you've sh- a lot of people who are involved with the projects, but anyone who you feel, and this is always tough because there's so many, right Yeah, now, yeah. But I mean, there's probably a couple that you just. Yeah, I have mean, to obviously, like
0: Jesse, uh, who works here, and ironically, when him and I first started talking and collaborating about this, um, he went to a DJ class that Craig Mitchell taught at the Flynn. Like three or four years ago oh, wow. and i spoke at one of the one of the nights and he was there and he was like reminding me hey i was there when you when you spoke
1: yeah, so now
0: now we're like friends and collaborators here yeah. so jesse's been a big part of helping me get all this organized mm-hmm. obviously peter edelman for for agreeing to do it here and, and taking really good care of me and and, and making sure that's going gonna happen liggy who's going to do the lights and the and the video stuff definitely at a discount and he's going to crush it and if y'all don't know who Liggy is. You'll be seeing him on one of these episodes. Yeah, he's coming up on one, <laughs> yeah. is what you told me. But he's yeah. just, his his vision for lighting and for, you know, lighting is really important at a show. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the way you're hitting the energy moments and the crowd is like being immersed by what they're doing to set this mood. Yeah. He's a pro at it. I mean, he's done all kinds of live events. Yeah. So between the video stuff and the lighting he's going to do, it's going to be massive. And I I think just... You know all the artists and the producers who have been on this i want to really just say thank you like from the bottom of my heart like all the time all the hours all the energy all the creative juice that you guys put into this has made this record receive these accolades it's received album this is, of the end. yeah this is from what they gave me mm-hmm. you know i was happy to help collaborate and 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 facilitate it but this is not a fatty b record this is a collaborative album
1: so Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, with that being said, we'll see you on February 11th at the double E. Get here early, six o'clock. Get your tickets uh, now. Yeah, go online and get your tickets now. We'll put a link for the tickets in there too. And uh, thanks again for coming through, Fatty. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been Ramon Entrepreneurs, episode seven, with a one-of-a-kind guest, Mr. Kyle Thompson, Fatty B. And we're out. Peace.